So here we are, the morning after the Phillies NLCS Game 1 victory, which we all so breathlessly watched unfold last night, tacking on a number of moments to a postseason that's been full of individual moments so far. Again, in case you missed it, somehow, some way, I don't think you did, but the Phillies won 2-0. They combined to allow one hit. Zach Wheeler was amazing. Sir Anthony Dominguez was fantastic. Jose Alvarado was also terrific for the most part, by and large, 90%. You give it to him. Counts. Had some long balls when it mattered. <laughs> some, some very long balls. And all of a sudden, the Phillies have won their third straight game one on the road. I have another voice with me this time, just in case you were able to check out last night's post gamer. I, I am back with my better half, podcast better half. Mr. Matt Gelb of The Athletic, who is out in San Diego. It's early morning out there on Wednesday. Early. Matt, good morning. <laughs> How you feeling? I'm good. It's going to be uh, it's supposed to be 88 degrees in San Diego today, which is like not really playoff weather. But uh, I think uh, it, was, it was a great atmosphere there last night. And, and it was kind of amazing how the Phillies managed to uh really keep the crowd out of the game for the entirety of it uh, only until the ninth inning really um did, did it start to get pretty loud and uh i thought rob thompson's mound visit was uh kind of a moment like i thought that was a, a really big moment and uh i don't think he's done that all year i asked a couple guys i don't think anyone can remember it you know usually when the manager goes out to the mound he's taking the pitcher out mm. and uh he he has let you know cotham the pitching coach make those mound visits just to you know talk to the pitcher or calm everyone down and uh thompson felt the need to go out there in that moment in the ninth inning and uh a lot of the guys who were in the in that mound visit couldn't uh hear him but like it didn't really matter he was just there just to like just just give everyone a break and just give everyone to calm down and uh thought that was that was a big moment And, and and like so much of last night was just they're on such a heater paul like they take oh, yeah. the pitcher out after 83 pitches when, you know, he probably could have kept going. I know why they did it. And I think it makes sense. I don't know if I would have had the guts to do that. Um, you know, they leave Alec Bowman there and he makes a mistake and Jose Alvaro picks him up, you know, all these like little things that are adding up right now. They just have this feel that, uh, <laughs> right. This for this organization is known as, you know, it, it, all the little mistakes. Like it was like, whatever could go wrong can go wrong you know, would go wrong. And now like, even when things go wrong, it's just like, they just brush it off. And uh, that mm-hmm. is a trait of a team that, that wins in October. And, you know, they have these characteristics of a team now that, uh, you know, that previous champions have had, you know, they have a formula and, and traits of previous champions. And that is insane to say that. Uh, but here we are. You know, it, it's wild watching the way we'll just skip ahead to the ninth inning for the moment and and watching the way the ninth inning started to unfold and how it sort of felt like game two against Atlanta, how it sort of felt like earlier against the Cardinals where things were starting to, to slip away again. But also in the same way that those games ended up, it just, 
it didn't fall apart. It did not completely fall apart. It's almost like, you know, the, the, the Eagles bend and break defenses of the past few years where they, you know, let guys march down the field and then hold them inside the red zone to three. The Phillies have been letting the tying run either get to the plate or get on base in some of these ninth innings. And they just haven't let it completely fall through their fingers. And I think the Alvarado part is, is really important because, and he even said it, he's, he's quoted through an interpreter in, um, in your piece today, I, I believe saying I, he's not the same guy that he was earlier in the year. And he is confident in that his attitude has changed. His mindset has changed. He is not going to let himself get rattled. He's going to keep himself as composed as he can out there. And it showed in the Josh Bell at bat. You know, like that inning had the perfect storm of circumstance for the Padres to come back and snatch that game back. You just, if you're a Padres fan, that's what you want. That is exactly what you want. Austin Nola is retired for the first out. Then Profar gets on. Soto hits a double play ball that gets misplayed. And all of a sudden the tying run is on base for your MVP candidate. <laughs> it's with the platoon advantage, just like that. It It's just, you watch that game and you're like, oh crap. For me, watching it get to that point, I was worried and my, my pulse was through the roof for sure, but I didn't really, I didn't really feel panicked all the same, <laughs> if that makes right. any sense. No, I, yeah. I, I had that confidence in Alvarado who believed in himself because I've, I've now completely fully accepted over the last couple of months that this guy truly is different. This is not the guy I was worried about in April and May. If this situation were to come, that I was truly going to get gray hair and things were going to disintegrate. This is not the same guy at all. He believes that I believe that. And it played out that way. And it's just, it's so funny and enjoyable to see all of that actually work the way you expect it to now. No. And and think about the ninth inning, like uh, the two guys who were the main characters of that inning, I feel like they're so emblematic of this Phillies season and this team. Like it's, Alec Bohm and Jose Alvarado, two guys who, mm. you know, know, you know, they're talented, you know, that they are, uh, you know, they have skill, they, they have things that make them big league players, but early in the season, they are guys who were not confident. They were not yeah. confident for whatever reason. And it manifested in mistakes in the field and, in, in, you know, in, in command problems with Alvarado. Um, but as the season has, has unfolded, and the Phillies have uh, gained steam as a team, you know, it's the different pieces that have sort of risen to the moment and, and watching them sort of go on this journey, this meandering path that they've taken to this point where the three wins away from the world series, mm-hmm. uh, you know, watching Bohm and Alvarado gain confidence along the way and become, you know, huge pieces of what the Phillies are accomplishing right now. Uh, it, it really just, it is symbolic. It is symbolic of, of this team's overall journey. You can look at those two guys individually and just see the the improvement they've made both mentally and physically. And it's just uh, it's amazing. It's amazing to think about where they were at the start of the season. And they can just brush it off in the ninth inning in the most tense moment of the season so far. Like, And <laughs> it's just it's amazing. It really is. It's amazing. And, and it and, uh, you got Aaron Noll on the mound for game two this afternoon. And mm-hmm. uh, Blake Snell is a pitcher that they've done well against historically. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's pitched really well in the playoffs. So um, you don't know what's going to happen, but man, 
if you take both games here in San Diego, uh, it's just it's unthinkable right now. It's just crazy. And and when Nolo steps on the mound today, remember this, Paul. I mean, that'll be eight games now. This is the eighth game today. Game two is the eighth mm-hmm. game the Phillies have played this postseason, and it'll be the sixth time that either Nola or Wheeler is starting. Like everything has gone the Phillies' way here in terms of breaks and luck and timing this postseason, and they have made the most of it. You know, it, that's a great point, not just for the pitching side, too, because that that's critical. And I remember us talking multiple times about how this team needed to get those guys lined up to pitch as much as they could, even when we only thought that they might play three playoff games. Um, and it has worked out. The offense has been intact, first of all, but has come through basically only exactly when needed. (laughs) You know, there have been so many games. I mean, some credit to you, Darvish, whose start is going to be forgotten, you know, not just by this fan base. He was really good. He was really good. Like, this guy, like... I mean, most of the guys had no idea what they were doing against him. No, no. There was one inning where there were three fastballs, like, right down the middle of the plate, and they all stared at him because they had no idea what was coming. Like, it's just, when you're on like that and you can throw, like, national broadcasts tend to pick on one little eccentric or unusual thing and just hammer it into the ground to the point where you kind of been like okay is it really that special do i really need to pay attention to this like this is kind of annoying but you darvish with his different pitches and speeds and the way he mixes things up that's totally legit when that guy is on he's really one of the most unique pitchers going and he can really just befuddle you and for the most part he did that he just made two mistakes one pitch wasn't even that much of a mistake you just have an alt-world hitter going up and away to muscle it out, and that's just what happens. The one to Schwarber, yes, that was a mistake, and exactly what <laughs> Schwarber was looking for. And, you know, when you hit a ball 500 feet, sometimes you just got to be like, well, okay, that happened. But look, they, they had three hits. The Phillies had three hits. Two by Schwarber, one by Harper, and the, the other non-homer was a single. Schwarber also walked one time. So he's starting to click a little bit more. I think some of that has to do with – um uh, maybe the healthy knee that uh, your colleague Ken yes, Rosenthal talked about. Yeah. You write a, read Ken Rosenthal today in The Athletic. And, you know, Ken, I, I, I remember this play specifically. It was the first game of a doubleheader uh, in D.C. now 18 days ago. Uh, and uh, he, he had a really weird slide in home plate. And I remember after maybe it was the second game. I don't know. I remember just after it must've been the second game. Cause after the game I was in the clubhouse and I saw Schwarber and his knee looked kind of messed up. Like he'd definitely gotten treatment on it. It was his left knee. I think I don't remember. Um, and yeah, le- yeah. Left knee. Yeah. Uh, and so there's something that's been going on with him and you know, you could see the at bats were not they were not the kind of caliber of at bats that we've seen from Schwarber for the majority of the season. And and just in the last few games, you can tell that he's clearly feeling better. Uh, and, and there's anecdotal evidence to that, you know, from Kevin Long, the hitting coach. And, and there's also um, objective evidence to that. Paul, you noted before we got on that he's just he's hit the ball a lot harder the last few games, like a oh, lot yeah. harder. And, that, that, you know, the the home run notwithstanding uh, obviously hit very hard but <laughs> yeah. uh you know like the what is the formula paul for these championship caliber teams it's it's like it's good pitching and timely hitting and that timely hitting it's hard to string together hits and we just saw like you know the guardians like a terrific team and and, and totally overachieved i think we can all um 
admit that. But, you know, they had a formula in the regular season for scoring that uh, did not translate to the postseason. And maybe it was because of inexperience. I, I don't think it was. I think it was because it's hard to get, you know, four or five hits in an inning. <laughs> It's right. hard to string together those kind of innings in the postseason because you're facing the best pitching. And when you're facing the best pitching, you just have to hit a mistake. And typically, you you know, to win, you have to hit it out of the ballpark. And the Phillies have all of a sudden started to hit home runs here in this postseason. And it goes back to the games at home uh, against the Braves. And now here in San Diego, three hits, two of them sole homers. You win 2 nothing. That is how teams win in October. And, you know, it's funny. Like, there have been, what, almost – 2000 playoff games or, or, or something like that. And the Phillies stringing together five hits on five pitches against Atlanta last series. That was right. like the first time, first time it ever happened to that point. Right. It's kind of unique, but it just goes to show you. Uh, so, and, and just to, um, I'm just rereading one paragraph of the Rosenthal story. It says it was his right knee. So I guess his plan. Right knee. knee. I'm sorry. Um, I, no, I it's can't okay. remember. You know, like the last like three weeks of just, yeah, you know, I'm four just four weeks. I've really, I'm not really sure. I'm just I trying actually, to save us some mentions. That, no, that's I got all. you. I got you. I actually, I woke <laughs> up yesterday. I woke up yesterday and I walked out of the hotel and I was like, I don't know why this came to my head. I was like, you could give me three guesses and I would not be able to tell you what day of the week it was. And, uh, <laughs> It, it was Tuesday, and I, I honestly, uh-huh. I was like, I was embarrassed. I was walking down the street, and I was like, I, I don't know what day of the week it is. I like, I, I didn't want to look at my phone because I wanted to figure it out myself. Like, I wanted to figure out what day of the week is it. And uh, like, you I, were I in Memento or something. I was not going to get it. Yeah, I was not going to get it. <laughs> you can find Tuesday one of the first tattooed on your shoulder one of the, blade. Yeah, exactly. One of the first things I do when I open up a new file, I write in Google Drive, uh, Google Docs, and. Uh, I, I write the day of the week at the top of the page because like I, I will often mention, you know, what day of the week it is in the story and I always get it wrong. So like my, my editor is always like, you got the day of the week wrong again. I was like, yeah, whoops. That's, that's where we that's are pretty right impressive. <laughs> that's, that's pretty impressive. I got to say. So, all right. So as we, as we continue to talk here on Wednesday morning, it is still Wednesday. morning for both of us. Yeah. Uh, it's time to look ahead. Uh, the Phillies have another game to play another road game afternoon start early afternoon in San Diego, late afternoon out here, before traveling home during their only off day of this series. And they're they actually are... going to fly out tonight, actually. they, oh, they had, are going to fly out tonight. This. Oh. Yeah, this was something they had really – actually, I, I want to ask somebody about this, but yeah, they were originally going to fly out Thursday morning tomorrow uh, and just take the whole day and travel back. Um, they're actually going to fly out tonight now and, and get in like really, really late in Philly. I don't know. I guess they would get in like 2 or 3 a.m. East Coast mm-hmm. time. Um, I think – They've been on the road so much. I think a lot of guys just had a desire to uh, to get back into their beds, uh, even if it's going to be you know three or four a.m. by the time they get home. I dig it. Okay, cool. Um, so in this afternoon's game two, Aaron Nola, Blake Snell, another interesting pitching matchup. Nola is is flying real high right now, and he's another guy that it's hard not to have a lot of confidence in. You know the the struggles of of late seasons past. You know the the twenty nineteen and twenty twenty one Septembers really seem like a very distant memory at this point. And opposing him will be Blake Snell, who had one not great start against the Mets and one very good start against the Dodgers in the last series. And that basically sums up Blake Snell. You might get something really good, you might not. It's all going to be a matter of uh, how the Phillies are again able to handle breaking balls. I think. Because Snell's got a very good curveball, and if he's locating it, well, we'll see. I'm not going to get too deep into that just because a lot of my predictions haven't really gone according to plan. 
<laughs> in a good way. Well, so far, uh, yeah, I, I think this is an opportunity for them today to try to get into the middle of the Padres bullpen, mm-hmm. which is probably the weakest part of this team. It's the weakest part of most teams, but uh, they haven't really been tested in the postseason. They've barely had to use their middle relievers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I'm sure that Bob Melvin will manage aggressively today. So if he does have a, if he, you know, Snell is, what is he known for? He's known for a lot of pitches and, and yeah. often short outings. Um, while they could be effective and he typically finds a way to make them effective, they aren't usually long. And the Phillies have really bled out pitchers like Snell this year, just, you know, driving up their pitch counts and getting them out of games. And uh, that, that will be, I think, the key to this game. If they can get Snell out before, completing five innings uh i think the phillies are in really good shape really 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 good shape and maybe that seems obvious but uh, I, I think that's that could, that should be their sort of their attack plan here their thought going into this game well I, if there's one thing the phillies have been successful at you know in the regular season and moving forward here it's if for any reason the starting pitcher leaves early and i mean before they've completed five innings you know fourth third in some cases Things have gone well, whether it's, you know, injury opener, whatever the circumstances, the Phillies have seemed to do well in those games. So if they get to Snell early or if they're able to drive up his pitch count, I I would take another first inning or two like the one they had last night when Darvish threw a lot of pitches. Um, They didn't get any runs in that inning, but you could feel like, all right, they're starting to put together something interesting here. They're at least making good swing decisions. They're seeing the ball okay. I mean, that that sort of came and went as the night went on for Darvish. But again, that's why Darvish is kind of unique. He can keep you off balance because he has a million offerings. Snell is a little bit different. He's got good stuff, and if he's locating it, okay, might run into a bit of trouble. But if the Phillies make early good decisions or they're picking up the ball well, um, I'm not really sure how San Diego plays differently during the day. But you mentioned that the temperature, that could cause the ball to carry maybe a little bit more with it being so warm, high 80s in late it's October. It's going to be hot. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a little unusual. So I'd be looking out for maybe a couple more home runs, even though we're playing in Petco. You know, Aaron Nola did a good job at limiting home runs, but in the past he's been victimized by it. So it, it could it could cut either way. I think what'll be what'll be really important for me to see, what I would really love now, is for you know, some more of the guys who've been struggling to to reemerge a little bit here. Like each of the each of the players in the lineup has really had a moment, either offensively, sometimes just defensively, but they've really been held in check for the most part during this entire postseason. You can feel good about the way Schwarber is swinging right now. The last couple of games been great. Harper all postseason, really, really good. Outside of that, and really, I guess you could include Segura in there down in the lower third of the order. Everybody else has really been been suppressed you know nick castellanos had the great first game of the postseason and he's not been very good since hoskins has struggled at the plate all postseason apart from the bat slam jt had you know uh, he has an rbi hit uh, a couple rbi hits and otherwise is just you know he's also not doing great and then the rookies boom at the plate start at the plate brandon marsh had the big hit he's been okay like something is missing right they're getting the timely hits they're getting the runs when they need to, which is great. It's gotten them to this point. I'm not looking to give towards in the mouth here. But it would be nice to see a little bit more production. This is where I get greedy. Because if we're going to think of this team as advancing and potentially being a threat to, you know, 
if they go to the World Series, play one of those AL teams who are significantly better than the Padres, both of them. Uh, you're going to want to rely on a little bit more than just one or two home runs out of thin air. Just, it, just it can generally. work though. You know, it can. I know what you're saying. I know what you're no, saying. I, I would be, I would not be surprised if we saw uh, Matt Veerling in center and Edmundo Sosa at shortstop today. Um, to Snell's start. Got, yes. Okay. Uh, Snell has got relatively even splits, but he, 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 he barely faces like the, the numbers, in terms of just sheer plate appearances versus righties and lefties is staggering. Like he only faced like 90 plate appearances against lefties this year. And that's because teams don't like putting lefty hitters up there against him. Hmm. So even though the OPS is about the same and the numbers are about the same, I think that the volume tells you a lot of how teams think about matchups against Snell. I, I think you're going to see Veerling for sure in center. I'm not hundred percent sure about Sosa. I think he's going to start a shortstop. Okay. Well, that would be interesting. I, I, I think with regard to those two players in particular and, and thinking about, you know, last, last night, I'm not going to de- delve into this because we've already left it behind, but these are players who deserve, you know, a little bit of a look in some of these situations, right? It, it's not like, it's not like you think Matt Veerling against the lefty is going to be a total zero. It's not like you think Edmundo Sosa coming in for Stott is going to be a zero. Like they, these are, these are your bench guys. But it feels this like this would be a spot. Sh- yeah, this is the moment where you shoot those guys. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that'll make things maybe a little more interesting when substitution time comes, if the score is still in their favor. I, I'm. Was it a vote of confidence thing that Castellanos and Bohm were left in in the lead innings last night? Is that what that was? Well, so I, I think, and, and Ken alludes to it to in the story, but this was the red flag too, is that like, you know, he's been taking Schwarber out a lot in the playoffs, right? And not mm. Castellanos, and that was mm. not something that they regularly did in the play, in the regular season, right? Um, and I think that's because of the knee. Like I, I think Schorber was was being taken out instead of Castellanos because the knee was bothering him and it was compromising him. So, uh, is it, the the Castellanos thing? I don't know. Hard to explain. I, I would not be keeping him in games, but he's he's still there and he's made big plays. Boom! You know, you've seen times where he's gotten on base in the eighth inning or something, and they pinch run for him with Sosa, and then it yes. kind of does two birds with one stone. You get a That's better true. runner, and then you get a better defender. Uh, I think it's a confidence thing, Paul. Like they haven't taken Boom out of games uh, just for a straight defensive sub. Uh, I, I I understand why he's done it, and and I and I kind of allude to a lot of this in my my story that if you read between the lines today at the Athletic, I mean it's. It's not what Rob Thompson has said to his players. It's it's the little things. It's how he's acted. It's it's not taking a guy out. It's it's taking Wheeler out at eighty three pitches because he, you know, and the guys in the bullpen know this. They're like, oh wow, like he trusts. Like he's taking this guy out at eighty three because like he believes that, you know, we can get this done. We can get this last, these last six outs. Like there's there is this, this this trust that is built through these little actions that have accumulated over the course of months now. And I think the Bohm thing is an example that I think in the back of his head, Bohm is like, I'm out here because he trusts me. And like, I, I, if he trusts me, if they trust me, like I, I should trust myself. I should be confident that I can do this. And it was a weird play. Like, I don't want to go into it too much. And, and Thompson made it, you know, had an ex- interesting explanation about it. I talked to Stott about it. It was a weird play, just the, the way the umpire was positioned and, and the throw. And, you know, it was weird, but it's a play that should be made. Uh, nevertheless, like, I think you'll keep seeing bone late in games. Like I, 
even if it doesn't tactically make sense, I, I think in Thompson's mind, it's important to keep his players confident. And this is how he does it. Uh, I don't know. It's worked. <laughs> right. And, you know, it, it, we're still in benefit of the doubt territory here, right? Like we said, we set it down the stretch. Were, were, were you screaming at the TV when they took Wheeler out? No, okay. no, 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 not at all. No, I, I got it. I, I understood. You know, I, I didn't. I didn't want to say too much about it in the moment, like in a like in a post or a tweet or anything like that, just because I could understand why folks would be resistant to something like that. Because it wasn't so super obvious in the moment why a move like that would be made. Because Wheeler was still throwing hard relatively, but it was a gradual sloping of his fastball yeah. starting to decline. The pitch count was still low. I mean, only 83, yeah. And maybe people were getting flashbacks to... Aaron Nola getting lifted by Gabe Kapler in his first game. Oh, um, 68 pitches. Yeah, you know, we, we tend to latch on to those things, even if they're not quite comparable. But look, it, here's, here's where I ended up falling on that, and this ties back to the benefit of the doubt thing. The moves that have been made, by and large, have been working out. They just have. Uh, it seems like mostly sound process in the moment, and then the results end up coming through, too. I knew based on all these these comments that the folks have been made and and while we were anticipating Wheeler coming back i had a feeling to expect something a little bit shorter because he is not wheeler is not fully ramped up has not thrown a pitch in the eighth inning since may 4 right he he's just he's not there and that's okay what we're getting out of him is amazing and i think it's always better to be a little bit cautious in these situations so that you don't have something completely unravel on you. You know, we can look back on this now because it, it worked out and the shutout was intact and they did not blow the game in the ninth inning. The, the eighth inning really is where it would have been most impacted because that's when he was lifted and Sir Anthony Dominguez put that to bed immediately. Mm, yeah, he, he was fantastic. No, so I, mean, I guess so like if you do now, even if they kept Wheeler in for eight, uh-huh. Alvarado's still going to have the ninth there because right. Soto's, Soto's there. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So it it all worked out. That process worked out. But in the moment, it's it's a bit of a recalibration to be like, okay, the velocity is, is down a little bit. I get it. Better to be a little bit safe, have Wheeler at full strength, knowing he is not at 100% of himself. I'm just talking about 100% of his current state, if that makes sense, to have him fully ready to go for his next turn in this series. Because that is more important. He looked great. He was starting to decline a little bit. Better to get him out right then and go with one of your really good relief arms in that spot and not have to worry about, ooh, should have been a little quicker with the hook. That's one avoided. And it looks a little more confusing in the moment when you're like, well, wait, 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 everything's still going really well. But it avoids the collapse. That's what that's something we don't have to talk about now. It was prevented. And you get yeah. to look ahead to Wheeler's next start and feel better about that. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> He was on an extra day. I mean, you know, all this, like, it's just adding up. Like, all these things, like, these things that should go wrong, that normally would go wrong for the Phillies, uh, whether it be a mistake in the field or a manager, a tactical decision, um, they are not They're they're not going wrong. Right. <laughs> they're not going wrong. <laughs> they're not. And, like, you look at this thing right now, Paul, and, and maybe this is – I know that people are stressed as they're watching this, and, and, and there have been some high-stress moments, and it was fun uh, last night because I actually had a good view of the Phillies' front office suite. It was funny to kind of just peek over there and watch how they were watching the game. Uh, and, it, and it's kind of interesting. And I think it was, um, I don't think it's easy watch for a lot of them. Like they, they're very stressed. And yeah. 
although I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this and I'm almost, I honestly, I was like laughing at times in the press box. Cause like <laughs> this, this thing feels rather unstoppable right now. It, it really does. Like something is happening and I, I don't really know how to uh, measure that or, or explain it, but uh, there's, there's something uh, happening right now that, uh, this this thing feels it doesn't feel like it can be toppled right now. It's a it's a very strange set of circumstances. I I think <laughs> I, I agree with you first of all, which is very strange. It, playoffs can change on a dime for sure, but everything up to this point has just made you look at the Phillies as like, oh, this team easily won ninety five games during the year, right? They're they're playing like a juggernaut which is wild to think about. Um, but with the last playoff run, you know, late 2000s, early 2010s, there was a gradual buildup of progression on both sides of the slope, really. You look at the 06 team that was a close call and missed. You look at the 07 team that made it and was swept. Then the 08 team takes it from there. And then things start yep. to decline a little bit. Yep. Yep. This has been such a sudden ascent, not just over the last couple of years, but within this season. From June, when the Angel series happened and all of this, you know, kicked off, to um, late September, when things looked maybe a little iffy, but then they recovered. And now in the playoffs, it's just been good feeling on top of good feeling, big moment on top of big moment, huge performance on top of huge performance. It has just been relentless from every angle of the roster. From the starting pitching to the bullpen to the lineup to the bench guys, just about everybody has had a singular moment that you can point to and say, yeah, that was their mark on this postseason. And it's been seven games. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's more so than fast. anything. Yeah. And more than anything. And I alluded to this, I actually thought about it as I was writing last night. Uh, what did we say for all those, you know, all those years? The Phillies didn't have enough depth. They didn't have enough depth yes. to get to the postseason. And that was accurate. And what they did this year is they, before the season and during the season, they accumulated more depth. And that got them into the postseason. And yeah. in this postseason, they haven't had to use that depth very much because their star players have risen. And we always said, if you followed this team, people might look at you weird when you said it, but they said, man, like, this is a team that, like, if they could get into the tournament, like, they could, they're, they're built to do things. They're yes. built to win in October because of the, the, the top, you know, the, the top heavy sort of roster and the issue was that you know they they couldn't ever get there because they just didn't have enough to sustain you know 162 games so clearly now they got more to get there and now that they've gotten there i mean they have just really proven that uh you know this thing is <laughs> this thing is built for this month and they, they've <laughs> you know game one of the nlcs was like the perfect example of it i mean it really was it was like you know, your stars, you, you, these guys that you paid big money to go get for these moments, they rose to the moment. Mm -hmm. And now you're up one, nothing. You have, you know, maybe the best pitcher in baseball right now going in game two. And if you come <laughs> home up two Oh, uh, for three at home in front of a crazy crowd, uh, this thing is starting to feel real. It's starting to feel insanely uncomfortably real, right? It is. I, I, I think 
I think it's big that the Phillies took game one to already get that road split out of the way. That doesn't lessen the importance of today. How, how weird think... is that the Phillies are like the greatest game one team in the history of Major League Baseball? <laughs> really like they are. are. Like I know they haven't had a lot of postseason series, but their record in game one, especially game ones on the road, is insane. <laughs> yeah, I look, you can't take something like this for granted. This is really unusual what they're doing. This would be a huge opportunity to really apply some pressure if they take this game. It's okay, it's okay relatively if they leave San Diego with a split. That's the no goal question. going in. No it's it's the same thing that we experienced with Atlanta. If they, if they take it away and it's just 1-1 coming back home, fine. It's tied and you got more games at home left and you have games on the road. And that's the same situation as we just saw with Atlanta with the longer series. But here's Bye. the thing. Yes. Things get a little more interesting the deeper into this series we go. Because there's no off day after tomorrow, after Thursday. No off day. The Padres are a bit deeper in their rotation than the Phillies are. The Phillies were able to cobble some things together, and so far that's worked. But there are three guys for two spots in some configuration of bulk innings in Syndergaard, Suarez, and Falter who will need to pick up a decent chunk of innings in games three and four and potentially, uh, what would it be, game seven? If this gets to game seven, both teams will need a pitcher won't yeah. have a pitcher and it'll just it'll be the fifth game in five days and it'll just be uh, yeah a that'll be complete shit show it'll be weird it'll be very weird but we'll worry about that if and when we get there um but look that's why this game too is important right take advantage of the opportunities presented to you, you the floor has been raised for the road split fine good already achieved at the very least but staring down those those bullpen games plural potentially really doesn't lessen the importance of seizing this opportunity. So this is a big game in front of them. If they can get behind Nola, rally a bit, work some counts against Snell, get into that softer part of the bullpen that you were talking about, you really got to feel good about coming home up 2-0, margin for error, relax a little bit more, feed off the crowd. Don't take your foot off the gas. This team, if they have one flaw that's kind of, trickled in a little bit is that sometimes if they jump out to a bit of a lead they ease up they don't they don't pile on they've they actually have done that once or twice actually i should be a little more fair a lot of times during the season they would take their foot off the gas can't do that here shouldn't do that here i don't think they will do that here if they jump out in front it's very important that they get that early lead because that seems to really bolster them keep them in front don't want to play from behind against good pitching i like their odds I love the way Aaron Noll has been throwing. It's hard not to feel confident. The vibes are good. <laughs> it's can so I, can weird. I get, can I deliver a hot take? Oh, always. They can finish the Padres today. You know, yes, I, I'd agree with that. If they come home up 2-0 with three home games against two potentially on the road, yeah, I, I, you you would have to start thinking that they have absolute and complete control of this series. You have to. They can, they can finish the Padres. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, it's, look, it, it, part of me is so afraid of hubris. So, <laughs> afra- so afraid of being overly confident in what's happening and waiting for things to unfold before I actually be like, yes, I'll render a verdict on this. That was good. <laughs> you know, like I just I'm so gun shy about it still. I, there's some like cosmic force watching over this team waiting for me to be like, whoa, you tweeted that too early. 
But no, it's let, let's allow a little bit of that. It worked with pl- clinching the playoff spot, right? Sure. So let's keep that rolling. Yes. If they go up two games to none, I'm like 99% confident they finish that the series at some point, some combination of games. And how could you not? The way they've been playing, how would you expect them to lose four of the next six? Five, excuse me. Four of the next five. And yeah. and fold in the series. You you can't expect that the way this team is playing right now. You just can't. That runs counter to everything. And if I were to be gun shy and be afraid of those cosmic forces, I would be ridiculous in the face of what we've been watching. I just would. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's again, like it's uncomfortably, you know, it's uncomfortable just to like, think about this situation because it, it's not, it's so, it happens so fast and you're like, I, I, it's, you don't want to over, you know, you don't want to be too confident, but I mean, the way they won last night, uh, Padres are a good team. They're not a great team. You could say the same thing about the Phillies. Good team, not a great team. But yeah. uh, I think just the way they won and, and the pitching situation today, uh, I, I getting both here in San Diego, I think would be a crippling blow uh, to the Padres. Hard not to think that. All right. Well, the Phillies have a game to play. Uh, first pitch, if you're listening to this early enough on Wednesday, it's 435 Eastern on Fox or FS1, I believe. Um, Phillies have a chance to really, you know, put their cleat on the neck here. And they got Aaron Noel on the mound. This is a big chance. Uh, so here we go. I'm not going to say anything more about it. I'm not going to, I'm not going <laughs> to tempt any more spirits or <laughs> risk any more of that stuff we were talking about. I've been confident enough. So let's see if the uh, let's see if the Phillies can make this happen. Let's see if they can steal both on the road and come home to a frothing crowd this weekend and, and make some magic happen. So first pitch in a few hours um, before everybody comes back home. We'll see what uh, see what the future holds. For Matt Gelb of the Athletic. I am Paul Boyer. Go Phillies. <laughs>